Welcome to See We Do Have a Voice. I'm your host, Shelly Turner. Being diagnosed with breast cancer is where the discussion starts. Breast cancer doesn't care where you live. It doesn't care who you know, how healthy you are, how many initials you have behind your name, or what color your skin is. This podcast is a platform that will create discussion in order to help you find your story, your decisions, your information, and your understanding. Now let's get into it. Hi, this is Shelly, and welcome back to See We Do Have a Voice. And my guest today is Roshan. And Roshan is in the early stages of her journey. Surgery just completed when? My original surgery was November the 2nd of 2022. Okay. And I just had my second surgery um, for my reconstruction November 21st of 2023. So there, there we are, brand new. So we're here to hear your story. And See We Do Have a Voice is a platform that is created for women, breast cancer survivors, that want their stories shared. We're not asking you about, you know, don't give us any medical advice, anything like that. We want to speak to your heart, and we want to let your heart speak. So you want to kind of like start your story? Let's sure. talk about your story, Rashawn. <laughs> sure. First of all, thank you so much, Shelly, for having you are me. You're so welcome. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that you're here, and thank you for making the time. So life was great. It <laughs> seemed as though it was. My daughter had just graduated from high school, and we were getting ready to take her to college. Mm-hmm. And every year I had my mammogram already scheduled. Mm -hmm. And each year was always a fear because my mother passed away from breast cancer in 2004. Mm -hmm. So I had had my daughter who was going to college. I had her in February. My birthday was June 20th. And my mother passed June 26th. Okay. And so every year it's always been the fear of. What is it going to say now? What's it going to say? Is my mammogram going to, what is it going to do? And I've always been told that I had dense breasts or cystic breasts. So this particular year wasn't any different. A couple of years ago I did have, like they thought they saw something. So I had to do like a, um. An ultrasound. Correct. And that came back fine. Right. So this year was pretty much routine. And we had gone and dropped my daughter off at school and everything. And I got back on Thursday, August the 17th. My mammogram was the 18th. Mm -hmm. But it was a little weird last year because I was having some pain. Mm. But I just in the early stages of moving into menopause. Okay. So okay. my the confusion there. The confusion of right. is this, you know, regular like cycle type right. pain Men- and welcome to menopause systems. <laughs> yes. No, not system. Symptoms. There you go. Yes. Welcome to menopause systems. So I was having some pain mm-hmm. and it was on and off, on and mm-hmm. off, and I told my husband about it and you know, he was like, Baby, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And I think even sometimes for him, I think it sometimes it lingers in the, in the, back, of in the back of his head. Correct. And so um, without telling him, I called my doctor. Mm-hmm. And they were like, um, okay, well, we'll get, because of my family history, mm-hmm. we'll do an ultrasound. We'll send the order in and they'll call you to schedule. They never called. 
And I'd gotten so busy with my daughter and prom and graduation and Mm -hmm. everything like that, that I was like, okay, well, I see him in June. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I'll just talk. I'll wait. We'll wait. Well, in the meantime, my doctor dies. Oh. So what I was supposed to have the appointment in June, I Mm -hmm. ended up having it in July. Really? And um, the new doctor said, oh, I see what happened. He signed the order, mm-hmm. but it never went out. Right. With all that confusion. Mm-hmm. Right. So, which was already scary because he was young like us, like me. Really? Yeah. And so she said, well, let's put you in for the ultrasound mm-hmm. and let's see if you can have it on the same day. Okay. So I go in for the mammogram. At the time, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I had the ultrasound right after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do the thing and they start clicking and yeah. doing my, and I was like, oh, okay, you, you kind of see something. And she what was are you like, doing down there? Yeah, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? And I, she said, um, I said, you see something? She said, I don't know, you know. And, and that's so, the wrong answer. That's yeah. That's the wrong answer. I don't know. Yeah. She's like, you know, she said, I don't know. She said, but we'll let the doctor do it. So he she goes out, the radiologist comes in and he's like, we see something. Um, and we also saw it, see it on the mammogram. Okay. He said, but the good thing is, is that it wasn't there last year. Okay. So I said, okay. So of course now I'm freaking out. Of course. He said, but I want to do a biopsy just because of your history and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was August 18th. I had the, or 19th. And then I had the biopsy and right after, oh, and he scared, well, he kind of gave me a good news because he was like, well, mostly like one out of seven, you know, it's usually like majority of the time these things come back as nothing. So I'm like, okay. There we are, the, the ray of hope. Yeah, at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was the day after um, Labor Day mm-hmm. that my OB called me and said, I'm sorry to tell you that this is, Cancer. They're going to have to come up with a better way to make those calls. Yeah. Because when they call you, like my last diagnosis, I went in for my regular lung, you know, my the pulmonologist. When I get, uh, I they check my lungs because I have some lymph nodes on my lungs that have just been sitting dormant there for, before I even got diagnosed with breast cancer. So when I see her, it was just once a year. So she calls me on a Friday. And she goes, Shelly, I got good news and I got bad news. And I'm like, what you got good news and bad news about? Yeah. I said, my, you know, and she said, no, it's not your lungs. She said, there's a new cancer. And I said, you know what? Thank you. It's Friday. I'll talk to you on Monday. You know, and I didn't give it a second thought. And it's like these calls, you know, my first diagnosis, my doctor calls me. He says, oh, yeah, I thought it was a cyst, but you have cancer. What? These calls are they call you, it's like they create darkness. Yeah. So they create a darkness in you that they leave you with. Yeah. You know, they leave you with that and you yeah. get off the phone. It's like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? Who do I go tell? Yeah. You know, do I break down? No, I don't want to break down. What do I do? Yeah. So yeah, these calls, they're the beginning. Yeah. You know. I had to go teach a class. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an adjunct professor. Right. And I had to go teach a class. With that on your heart. With that on my heart. Mm. I had just gotten it. And I. (laughs) (laughs) Class, pay attention. Right, right, right. And so I 
I I was I was in shock. Distracted to say the least. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I didn't tell anybody. I talked talk to Although I will say that my my OB's office mm-hmm. called me with um the liaison and she said, "Okay, this is what we're going to do." She knew who I was cuz mm-hmm. I'd had both of my kids mm-hmm. at this particular um and so they had known me for years. Right. Her name was Judy. I love Judy. Mm-hmm. And she's since retired. But she was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to connect you with this person. Mm-hmm. We're do- mm-hmm. And at that point, that was on Tuesday. Friday, I had an appointment to see, I think, like the first breast surgeon. Okay. I mean, like they really, it was... It's about it was that. like the roller coaster, yeah, really. A, it was like the you get up to the top, and I'm sitting there, and then at that point, here we go. It was like here we go. But you want that, yeah, you know. But it was like the roller coaster never finished. Well, I mean, but you appreciate that movement versus you know women that tell the stories. They had to wait for a referral. Oh, absolutely. You know, and my doctor didn't approve this, and now I have to go somewhere else. And those referrals just are not you know, really important to a lot of people. They're just paperwork. Yeah. So you get lost, your diagnosis gets lost in paperwork. Right. And you can only go when the referral office calls and makes you an appointment. And then who knows when that's going to be. Yeah. So when you can get on that roller coaster, that's why I always say, you know, I have a team and my team is at the, you know, at the starting point and we go to the finish line. Yeah. And that's what you have. You appreciate that part of it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the process of choosing my team was mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was it was fast. Mm-hmm. We met with a breast surgeon, and we went in, and um, she was she was she was great. Actually, mm-hmm. we went and I met we met with her nurse practitioner first, mm-hmm. 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 and we spoke to her, and my husband was there, right? And um, he'd kind of had a moment, mm-hmm. and. You say he kind of had a moment. That was kind of like his. Yeah, yeah. That was, this that was is his it. first this time. Is, yeah, yeah, this is what we're gonna do. And so, she said, "Wow," she said, "You seem like you have a really good support system." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yes, I do." Mm-hmm. She said, "Because you got a village." <laughs> she said, <laughs> "I get yes, yeah, I do. I do have a village. village." And she said, "There are. I've been in this room having this first initial mm-hmm. consultation mm-hmm. with couples, partners. Mm-hmm. She said, and I've been in the room and the partner is like, I can't do this. And oh. they get up in the middle of We've heard stories. the appointment and they leave. We've heard stories where they don't believe. They think it's contagious. They want to know, where did you get it? I experienced uh, a question to my mother asking my mother, well, why me? Why you? Okay, so the fact that they don't deal well yeah. doesn't help the diagnosis. It doesn't help the right. healing. It doesn't yeah. fit into the process. Yeah, Because just like uh, she said to you, it's about the team. And when you bring your own team. right? I mean, my first diagnosis, my brother went, my mother went, my husband went. Because it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Right. So that makes a difference versus you sitting in that room by yourself. Absolutely. Because you're not going to hear a word they say. Absolutely. You're going to wonder, yeah. you walk out of there, what did they say? Yeah, we're having a Charlie Brown moment. Wah, yeah. wah, yeah. wah, wah, yeah. wah, Because yeah. you're just sitting there looking like, are you talking to me? Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, it is a blessing when you can take your other half, your yeah. significant other, and they are your hearing. Right. You know, they come in there and bless you with the hearing, you know, yeah. the ability yeah. to hear. 
and it's hard for them too. Absolutely. So oh, yeah, we met with them. Then we met with this, the that doctor, mm-hmm. and um, we said, okay, let's do a second opinion. Not, yeah. not, and it wasn't even to discredit what the first doctor had said. Let's it make was sure. Make let's make sure. Yeah. Let's also feel comfortable with how what this is mm-hmm. going to look like. Mm-hmm. So we met with somebody else. We met with another doctor in the same same group, same group, mm-hmm. same group, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that the other one wasn't, mm-hmm. but she came in. She she was elementary, mm-hmm. rudimentary. Mm-hmm. You know, she came in and she got her piece of paper and mm-hmm. she said, "Okay, so this is what your breast looks like, and we'll put a circle right here, and and we'll say this is the cancer and." She made it plain. Exactly. I was going to say, take me to the blocks. She t- one plus one equals two. Exactly. This is red, green, and blue. Okay. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. do. You do. You don't need to somebody that's speaking to you in medical terms. Right. Right. And I love and I love medicine. Yeah. And was, you know, I did a semester of nursing school. So mm-hmm. some of this stuff was not all foreign, mm-hmm. you know. And then mm-hmm. because my mother right. had it. Right. Um, even though I did not have as much information that I probably should have. With your mother. With my mom. Yeah. yeah. So we chose the breast surgeon. Mm-hmm. She was great. Um, and she's been amazing. And then it was time to choose the plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one only did implants. Okay. The other one did implants mm-hmm. with... Um, flap or... With the stuff. flap. Yeah. And, mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. and I picked up the implant and I felt like... I'm looking at your water bottle. It felt like putting your water bottle <laughs> inside of you, inside of me, no. and I was like, "This is too heavy." I can't. I just don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing the foreign mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. in my body mm-hmm. with all this other foreign stuff with going on. All this other stuff. Right, right. So I ended up going with the other plastic surgeon mm-hmm. that was, you know, and so we we built the team. Then it was time to meet the oncologist. And she's great. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Her continence is pretty monotone a little bit. So that, yeah. but, no but feelings. it's, it's like, like poker. Hello. Are you here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You meet, you meet them like that. Yeah. But, but we put it all together and mm-hmm. it's worked. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it, it has, it has worked. to work. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that was, like I said, I got the diagnosis in August. Mm-hmm. And it was to the point where they were almost pushing me to, when are we going to set up this surgery? Yeah, hurry up. And I appreciated them for that. But on the other hand, I was like, just wait. I got to put it together. I got to think it through. I was Mm -hmm. like, because what if I make the wrong decision? Mm -hmm. Because this is you. Yeah. This is your life. This is your body. It's like the first thing, which is the easiest thing, is to get the diagnosis. And then after that, just like you said, you have to sit, you have to pick a team, you have to wait, you get an appointment for this person. Yeah. Then you see the oncologist. Now they're rushing you because they're like, okay, they have the information internally that they have. Okay, she's got breast cancer and we know we need to take care of it. But then on the other hand, you have to process it. You have to decide, first of all, did I really hear that? And we're still on that. You know, did you really say that? Am I really getting ready to go through this? Is this me? Yeah. And then you yeah. have you they have to wait on you. Yeah. And that's what I mean. When you have a team, your team has to be patient with you 
to make that decision. And then you may change your mind. And doing this platform and speaking to women, there are stories where some women didn't get chemo. And when I heard that, I was like, who said that? I never heard that before. I was never given that opportunity. That option. Yeah, it's like, maybe I wouldn't have had it. And then I'm left thinking years after my you know, diagnosis, did I do the right thing? And it's like, and you're saying they need to wait and let you process this. Well, I'm thinking way later, it's like, well, maybe. You know, well, how come I didn't have that? Yeah. So you hear the different stories you hear. That's why I said there's so many different stories. But once you have had the diagnosis of breast cancer, there's your story because you do have a story. Right. There's no way you don't have a story because we're sitting here today and we're sharing stories that not all women can share. But a very high percentage of women are able to tell their stories now. Well, they do have a story now. So it's up to you. Everything they bring to you is up to you. And just like we were talking before we got on air about now what do I do with my life. And you have to figure that out. I think breast cancer is, you know, in the Bible it says, God is the lamp unto your feet and the direction to your path. It's like, well, has my path changed? I feel like it has. Mm -hmm. And so many, I mean, in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that was hard for me. Just this past Sunday, somebody came up to me and they were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, I don't like that. You know, and <laughs> and um, I mean, she was crying in tears. I'm like, I'm good. I was like, I promise, I'm, I'm good, yeah. I'm good. And she said, I'm having a chemo brain moment because I just forgot my thought. <laughs> Girl, those but, are a gift. You get those. You can and you can and you I can said, blame it on something. You can really blame know, right? it. On. I'm like, wait. I said, is this being 52 Mm-mm. or if this is this? Oh, a chemo, chemo brain. brain is real. Oh real. my gosh! But she said, oh, she said, how come you didn't tell him? How come you didn't say anything? Now See, we talk about that. I wanted to have. I said, I said that's a long story mm-hmm. because I go back to what you were talking about. So first of all, when they were when the doctors were they weren't rushing, but they were like, mm-hmm. "We want to get this Schedule, done, and right. we want to get you scheduled and everything." I have two daughters, exactly, and my whole thinking about this whole thing was, "What about my baby?" Exactly. When my mother died of breast cancer in two thousand four, I was thirty three. Mm-hmm. My babies were. 18 and 15. Okay. And I'm like, I need to be here for my babies, Lord. Like, we're having this daily conversation of, okay, Lord, I need longevity. I'm like, it's in my genes. I know that because my grandmother is 95 and my other one died at 96. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Lord, I need longevity. I need to be able to see my baby's babies. We need that long life, that strong life. Right and now. for the for the longest time, going back to her question, mm-hmm. was I really wasn't saying it. I was I was like, okay, they found this. We're gonna do surgery. They're gonna take it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that no. to people that your I process have is con- internal. I have cancer. Yeah, but your process is internal now. So yeah. this is between you, you, and you. Your family, okay, I'm going to get with you guys in a minute. I understand. But I need to get there first. You're thinking about your daughters. 
girls. You don't have sons, you have girls. Right. That this may apply to later. Right. So you want to do the right thing now for yourself so you can be there for them later. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I got the BRCA, took the BRCA test. My BRCA test came back negative. So I'm like, so how the heck did that happen? That's... That's why you're here. We want to talk about that. What the heck? You were the first person that said that to me. And I was like, now that's something else for me to think about. It's like, well, you know, I have mine. I can go get, you know, I, I, it's in my, it's in my bag. And it says I was, but. Wow. Is that something you keep with you? Well, the folder I just happened to have in my bag is like, you know, uh, my stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That's my stuff bag. Got it. And I, I did have three sisters that lost the battle. So I took it as, okay, then you're right. I do have it. But they make you feel like the BRCA is the holy grail. You know, it's God's word. Right. And when you said it came back negative and you had it, I said, well, then it's not. Yeah. Then then it's not. Yeah. My mother's best friend's daughter, Mm -hmm. who's like a big, she's like my big sister. Right. If it had not been for them, Mm Even when my mom passed away, I would not have known what to do. Mm-hmm. My big sister, she's also an OB. Oh, cool. Who's also a survivor. Oh, wow. And my aunt is a, is a survivor, too. Like, my mom's best friend. Wow. Is wow. a survivor. So yeah. her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. And when I called her for years, mm-hmm. for years, when I was talking to her about the whole BRCA test, you know, she was like, okay, well, if it comes back negative, then you don't have to worry about the girls. Mm-hmm. But then I hadn't been diagnosed at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, because I always said, if it, if I got cancer, mm-hmm. I'm, I was going to take them off. I always said that. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to have to eat my words. But <laughs> when I said, you like, know, like. God is like, okay, well, I'm going to show you. Yeah. And let's yeah, see yeah. what you're going to say about that now. Yeah. You feel the same way? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, but she always said, she said, this is what she said at the moment. But then you shared with me and I was Mm -hmm. like, "Uh oh, just like you said about the Brock. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow. Maybe, maybe not. So now I'm still nervous. But she was like, she was like, in my, I, you know, in my brain, you know, she's like, you can't have breast cancer if you don't have breasts. And, and the, and the idea was as, as, Right, till I met you. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, yeah. great. Wow. But that's why I say it's so hard to pinpoint so, yeah, the yeah. right information. Exactly. Because exactly. I did that. I got rid of my breasts. I said, let's do the mastectomy because I'm done. It came back anyway. And my surgeon makes a comment. She said, well, I guess I didn't take enough breast tissue. Okay. But did I trust you? That part. Did I trust you? And I'm grateful for what you left. You know, I'm good. But if you needed to dig a little deeper and take a little more, maybe we should have done that. Because the third one came back as a HER2 positive. They were devastated. They're like, well, where did that come from? I'm like, well, don't you know? So nothing is set in stone. That's what I mean. It's like doing these, you know, interviews with these women, these survivors. Things have changed because you're hearing the real stories that you thought was the only story it's not the only story. It's not the only story. It's not the only story. So to me, breast cancer is individual. It is totally individual. And when I, you know, the name of this program is C, we do have a voice, but cancer is the C. It's no longer going to be the loudest voice in the room now. 
because information is what we're sharing. Yeah. Information is what this platform is about. And the information that I've received, oh my goodness, I thought I knew, I, is, I don't know everything. I'm here, like I said, I'm hearing stories. And when you said the bracket was negative, I almost fell down in the lobby. I was like, what did you say? Yeah. So now that's not true anymore. Right. So cancer is individual. Very. It's, it's like, it's designed for your body mm-hmm. and your life. Cause I still struggle. I don't struggle, but I wish I knew what the difference was between me and my three sisters and their battle that they lost. And I've had it three times and I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm good. You know, yeah. I, I feel amazing. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, when you hear people that didn't make it, it's like, well, why? That's why I struggled when yeah. I was talking with my oncologist mm-hmm. because I was trying to make a parallel mm-hmm. to myself mm-hmm. and my mom. Exactly. And I realized I didn't have any information. No. And I'm I'm going to assume that that was because she was being mom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she was protecting me. And my mom lived in Chicago okay. and I lived here. So you weren't there daily. And so I wasn't there daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't get into the mix until, so she chose to do a lumpectomy. Okay. And Lynn, my sister... Was trying to, you know, you sure, Maria? You know, you sure mm-hmm. you want to do that? You know, but mm. she was kind of fresh out of medical school and right. things like that. Yeah. You know, and my oncologist gave me the opportunity that I. they were like, you could do a lumpectomy yeah. because you were stage one. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know, but one of the things that always rang in my head was probably the the last time that I visited with my mom and at that point it mm-hmm. had you know spread to her brain and we kind of well I can't say that we knew it was imminent we just didn't know yeah. what what yeah. was and I met her in Atlanta at my at her best friend's house mm-hmm. my stepfather came down um it was Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. I took the baby with me because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. was had just been born wow and um I think we were just kind of talking mm-hmm. and she was like that was the first time that she said you know, I'm going to fight because they were going to do radiation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on her brain. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I'm going to fight till the Lord takes me home. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first time that we ever talked about her losing the battle. The battle. And one of the other things that she said, it, and it seems like a fleeting thought, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I know I would not have made this up. Mm-hmm. Well, she said, I never lived my life with regrets. She said, but I do regret not having the mistake. And there you are with her regret, and here I am yeah. having the mastectomy, yeah. and it came back anyway. So that's what I mean. The stories are so real. Yeah, They're not a myth. Somebody can't say, oh, well, you know, if you have you know, the mastectomy, you'll never get it again. Yeah. Pick me. That's not true. Yeah. And even my doctor, you know, like I said, the, the comment from the— from the surgeon is like, oh, maybe I didn't take enough tissue. But then I had a whole different kind of cancer that came back that appeared. So a first time HER2 positive, I had estrogen sensitives in both breasts. So where did this HER2 come from? Wow. So I'm not interested <laughs> where it came from. Right. This, what are we doing about it? Uh, let's go. Yeah. I opted out for no treatment, no chemo, no radiation because 
radiation you can only have one time. You can't have radiation. Really? A yeah, see, you can only have radiation one time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't have to have radiation. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. You didn't have to have radiation. But I, well, they said if you do the double mastectomy mm -hmm. and you do the chemo, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to have the, I didn't have to do the radiation. But I had to do the chemo mm -hmm. because of how aggressive the cancer was presenting. But you were still stage one. I was still stage one, which I was, that blew me away because I know people who were kind of stage one, stage two, mm -hmm. they had chemo first, mm -hmm. then they, they had their surgery. The yeah, shrink right. the tumor. Yeah. Right. I was, I had my surgery first mm -hmm. and then they were like, let's, we're going to do this extensive pathology test and mm -hmm. gene test and mm -hmm. all of that stuff like that. And we will determine for sure if you have chemo, mm -hmm. but even based on the biopsy mm -hmm. and that first pathology, they were like, it's po it's kind of likely that you're going to have to do chemo. And I was like, okay, God, yeah, we know what you can do. So they they going to do this pathology and they're going to say, they're going to say, no, you don't have to do chemo. Mm -hmm. And when the pathology came back, they said, we took out a few, well, we took out a few lymph nodes. Right. My surgery was 15 hours. Now, when you said that, I didn't get that. So did you have reconstruction? I did. At the same time? I did. 15 hours is a long time. 15 hours was a long so time. So was, was the waiting room full of everybody? <laughs> no, like I think, um, so we brought my daughter home from college. Right, right, right. And, um, and at first they were like, oh, it'll probably be about... 10 hours, at least, at probably about at least 10 hours. So I think it was once it started going past 10 hours, 11 hours, and they hadn't heard anything yeah, else. So my door. husband was kind they were, I'm sure he was freaking out. And so he called my breast surgeon because she was first. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, hey, I haven't heard anything. Can you call in there and see what yeah. they're doing in there? Before I go to the door myself. Exactly. Yeah. And so at the time he was, he, you know, he, went home and mm -hmm. he was with the girls and right, things right. like that. And, and he was, you know, he was waiting for the call. And so when I woke up, it was kind of, it took me a minute, of course, it's to like, kind of, what time is it? No, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what time is it? And yeah. they were like, Oh, it's like about one in the morning. My surgery started at nine. And so I was like, Oh, okay. So I said, so the first thing, of course, I asked was like, well, where's my husband? Have you guys mm -hmm. called my husband and everything? So when I got to, and then I was like, well, where's my phone? And my phone was on a different floor than I was. Yeah, go get my bag. I was like, go get, I need to talk to my yeah. man. Yeah, go get my bag. <laughs> I was like. Did, did you wake a, up with drips or the, expanders? I woke up with. Or they did the drains. Whole, he, so, okay, so, the, so I did the flap. Okay, so you did. I did the flap, which takes your abdominal right. tissue. and So you get a free piece. tummy tuck with that. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm going to um, get that. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And so I had drains. I had yeah. I had six altogether. I had oh, two Lord. on both sides yeah. and two at um, in the hip area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I called my husband. And, you know, of course, we were both so course excited mm -hmm. I called my parents yeah. and yeah. and everything and they were like girl you sound good <laughs> yeah like okay um but I was so in a state of gratefulness 
Yes, because it was over. That part. That part was that, that part, part was over. over. And like I said earlier, diagnosed being diagnosed is the easy part. Cause look what you have to do to put you back together again. That part. And I mean you have to work with information. Do you believe it or you don't? Do you trust them or you trust them? Well, I gotta see three plastic surgeons before I make the decision. Did they do it right? How do I look? You know, one of my guests, she's like one on and one off. And I can't, I, that would have bothered me, you know. Right. But you have to put yourself back together the best way you can. You know how. And no one can make any decisions. No, no As no. many times as I asked my husband when we were trying to figure out the doctors and mm -hmm. if, we, if I was going to do the mastectomy or the lumpectomy or mm -hmm. whatever, he was like, he said, as much as I would love to give you the answer and say, do this, he said, I can't do it that. It can't come from him because then you're going to be mad. Well, you told me. Yeah, well, he I thought said, you said, and it's like. Mm -mm. He said, whatever you think, mm -hmm. wherever you land, I'm with you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. And he was absolutely amazing. And that's the a blessing. Entire, you know, no, I really know that we're the outlier. Yeah. I'm, I'm really yep. going to know that we are well, definitely the outlier. Because it is not a yeah. given at all. Yeah. It is not a given. Like I said, the stories we've heard and the stories I, I've even heard from in my oncologist's office, they walk away. In my first diagnosis, I was part of a group, and I became you know, really close with one of the girls because I would venture to say maybe she didn't make it because it went to her lungs, and she you know, couldn't even talk without this horrific mm. cough. Her husband left her and went to go live with his mother. I was like, what? Right. Left her with the kids, and she had a teenage son that was in high school playing basketball, so she was still running him back and forth, running, yeah. you know, taking care of her kids because they believe it's contagious. He came from a family where, you know, well, don't, you can't stay there with her. Cancer, you know, you'll get cancer. I said, let me have the address so I can go slap them for you. Right. So you leave your wife, your children's mother, right. you leave your children there. So, yeah, we've heard lots of stories where, wow. you know, the partner unpartners themselves mm -hmm. from the situation. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, your husband is a rock star. Yeah. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. We've been trying to figure out what God has for us mm -hmm. as a couple. Mm -hmm. Because to, he he could have his own ministry, you know, with that. To, because men yeah. need to hear it from other men. Yeah. And yeah, he could we've certainly been, be a part of it, you know. We've been trying to figure out, like, okay, what's this going to be called? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. You know. And they, I mean, even, you know, if there's a day that you designate as a day for that conversation within you know, your arena in that place. Mm -hmm. And that just be a day for families, mm -hmm. you know, that you may be going through, you have going through, or this is just creative form. And to have your husband speak to that, that's different. That's yeah. very different. But you never know who you're speaking to. Right. You never know. You never know whose life that would change right there in that moment to know right. that it's okay. Yeah. And you will be better in your family being that strength in your family. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's not unheard of. Yeah. So, I'm excited about what, you know, God will do. Mm -hmm. 
And I've been able to see him through the process. Mm -hmm. Transparent, Um, real transparent. He's been very Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, a little billboard for me. Right before my first surgery, Mm -hmm. this was right during the, I champion at my church Mm -hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. as you know. (laughs) And I... For just for work reasons and different things like that, I hadn't sung in the choir in in years and not years, but indefinitely in a couple in some months. Right. And the um, this particular Sunday that we were having Pink Sunday, mm-hmm. I had gotten an email from um, music ministry coordinator okay. who had gotten direction from our minister of music, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Hey, call Roshan to see if she could sing on Sunday." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So they called me mm-hmm. and they texted like, "Hey, you, you know, we want to know if you'd be available to sing on Sunday." I was like, "Okay, sure." And so he sends he emails the song. The song was Donald Lawrence's "I'm Healed." This was before. Was that on purpose? I think God's pretty intentional. He don't do anything by mistake. Okay, so that's what I mean. <laughs> no, no one knew. Right. No one knew mm-hmm. what was going on with me at all. And that's what I mean. So that was that your out? Were they gonna? Was that gonna out you? No, because no one still knew mm-hmm. that was an intentional God moment to me to to declare mm-hmm. that your journey is not gonna be your mother's journey. Right, right. And already it's not. And I was like, "Wow, Lord, that's that was." Pretty, you got a very big sense of humor. That's why I laugh. I said, "You doing?" I said, "You really got jokes now." Yeah. It's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, you know, we had, of course, we had just told my, just told our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like going back to the girl was like, "Why didn't you say anything?" Well, first of all, I couldn't say nothing to nobody till I told my kids. So. You know, I didn't want anything to slip out. You yeah, know, my perception. daughter's away. Yeah, and perception, and then yeah. it gets back to your kids. It's the exactly. wrong information. Absolutely. Then you have two people that are not the facts, and they're, you know, perceiving what yeah. one is saying, and then yeah. you have a, a whole perception, Yeah. and they haven't included you one time. Right. So, yeah, that yeah. is, no, no. I couldn't have somebody else telling my story. It, that's what I mean. You yeah. Know, you have two people that are perceiving yeah. That this is what's going on with you. And the first thing, oh, well, you know her mother died. It's like. Right. Eliminate that. Yeah. Eliminate that. Yeah. That traffic, you know. Yeah. They already have that fear. That that That's their comparison. That's their that's their comparison. Yeah. It's like, well, you know. Granny Grand. Yeah. Her mother died. It's like, so you know that. It's like, so what are you saying? Yeah. Don't say it for me. Yeah. And that's one of the problems I had in my first diagnosis. I had to really let a family member know. I am not saying I have. I am saying they say I have because I'm not claiming that for myself. So when you gossip about it to somebody and you say, oh, you know, Shelly has cancer, I had to let her know, don't do that for me. Don't speak for me. You know, don't speak for me because I'm not saying I have it. I'm saying, well, they say I have. And you're saying, oh, you know, Shelly has. Don't declare that for me. And don't declare it in a conversation that you're having with somebody that I didn't tell. Yeah. So you have to let people know this is this information about my life. I love you, but it's just not available right now. Right. And it'll be available if I want it to be available. Yeah. But right now it's not. So when the lady comes to you and asks you, you know, are you okay? Are you sure? Well, why didn't you tell? 
Yeah. They wouldn't be somebody that I would have told anyway. <laughs> so they're not. Unfortunately, you yeah, know what I mean? Like I she's a sweet girl people. and I know her and all that stuff like that. What, We've what, known each other for years, but you're not in my you're not in my circle like that. What could that have done for her? No, but to, to repeat. Yeah, absolutely nothing. To yeah. repeat and now she's a part of your conversation. Yeah. You know, even in my circle. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and how people I think kind of navigated around me and mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. You know, some sometimes was great, but sometimes that was a, it was a little hurtful. It's a little much, you know, because the whole the key word I keep saying is perception and the way people perceive what is going on with you. And you said because they're in your circle, of course they know better than the person that's not. But then no, you don't. Right. If you're not in my household and you're not in my brain, because I'm changing every day now, because yeah. I'm going through something that's brand new, that's taking me on the roller coaster ride every day. This is between me and my husband, me and my girls, and we're going to take our time, including our girls. So you, not right now. And don't, you know, perceive, well, you know, she's not talking right now. So now, you know, they have a whole conversation on perception. And that is my pet peeve. If you don't have the facts and if you don't have the exact knowledge of what you're talking about, it, the Bible says aspire to live a more quiet life. And be quiet. Right. And that that's a T-shirt I think breast cancer survivors should wear. Be, be quiet. quiet. You know, about me. <laughs> right. So, And that's what I mean. People asking you, oh, were you okay? You sure? Well, why would you say sure? You know, why would you ask me, am I sure? What yeah. did you hear now? I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. So I don't know if it was because about after the year, mm -hmm. after we did Breast Cancer Awareness Month 2023 okay. was the very first time that I publicly posted on mm -hmm. social media about it. Oh, did you? That was therapeutic in the sense that, well, I, did, I hadn't gotten to the point where I could even say mm -hmm. that I had cancer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until they told me that I had to do chemo. You because you that look was going to be. Not so much in the look, but to me, the parallel was. I do. Yeah. I do have cancer. And I was like, because you don't do chemo. Unless you have cancer. <laughs> Unless you have cancer. Right. And I couldn't wrap around my brain. Mm -hmm. Well, you said you got it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you said you got it all. Then we're good. And I'm good. Mm -hmm. Then why are we doing this? And that's why I said cancer the diagnosis is the easy part. Putting your body back together yes. is a whole nother story. A whole nother story. Because I got to do this and then I'm going to be sick. And I mean, I laughed at one of the guests. She said she bought that cold cap so her hair wouldn't fall. Oh, oh, <laughs> I can felt, I tell my story about I the laughed. cold cap? I was like, okay, okay. Yes. I had the, ordered the cold cap from, I think it was like New Jersey, somewhere on the East Coast, because I had a friend. <laughs> who also did the cold cap and uh -huh. said, oh, it actually saved my my hair. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I'm looking through the thing, right? And I'm like, this don't say nothing about black girls' hair. This don't say nothing about no, black people's no, hair. No, it doesn't. And so I'm like, okay, that we'll, we'll work with that. So we go, and I did it three times. I had to buy dry ice, which is about $80 each week, because my rotation was... Every two weeks mm -hmm. or four rounds. Right, right. And then I had to do the tax saw, which was every week for 12 weeks. But 
I put on the cold cap. My husband was with me, and I have I have pictures. But you have to change it out every twenty minutes because I couldn't afford to have somebody there with me. But see, that's what I mean. You're putting your back your body back together again. This is another part of it. A cold cap, and you got to do all this dry ice. Right. Who does? Who's gonna do that? Trying to freeze my hair follicles. Yes. And Mm-mm. after the Mm-mm. second treatment, I was like, I don't have no edges. Now, <laughs> black girls and they edges, it's right? A thing. It's, it's a, a whole thing. thing. I'm like, <laughs> so it took your edges. So came it out. took my edges coming out. I was like, okay, I got all this hair up here, but if I don't have no edges. I'm going to have to cut my hair off anyway. <laughs> so You're going to have all this right. hair back here. And it was costing me um, $379, like yep. almost $400, $400. a month. Yep. Oh. And so, but a good thing was that I had like two treatments within mm-hmm. that month period. <laughs> oh, no. And I said, okay, yeah, I don't think. I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> and And it was a big ding for me because I've always had a hair fetish. Oh yeah, well. So God has been like, okay, we 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 doing this thing, but I'm gonna do this my way. Because your hair is not you, and you're not your hair. I so. got it taped on my phone yeah, right now of when my hairdresser came over to to cut my hair off. Oh yeah, and that's what we played in the background. Yeah, it's like even before Indy Irie sang that song, yeah. I had cancer the first time, and that was my motto: I'm not my hair, and the hair is not me. When my hair came out, I. You know, I was in the bathroom and the doctor told me, he said, because I went and got my hair braided, because I don't know best, right? He said, I don't know what you did that for. He said, because between five and 10 days after your first chemo treatment, your hair is going to start shedding. I'm like, no, because I braided my hair. My hair's not coming out. On the 10th day, I was in the bathroom brushing my hair and it was just like, yeah, it was just coming out. And I was giving one of my good friends a birthday party. And I was like, Lord, let's let me keep my hair one day. Right. So that day, the next day, that night, I'm getting ready to, you know, go and get ready for this surprise party. I was doing like this, like, just don't come out. Next day, I told my sister-in-law, I said, come cut my hair. Because I was not going to sit there and do this. And I did. Th- and I did that. Mm-hmm. I did that. Because um, when I returned the cold cap, mm-hmm. then it was a time, it was like. So you just rent the cold cap? Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to give it back? Yeah. Well, the good thing was that they they paid for the shipping and they back and forth. Well, I probably I probably paid for it somewhere in there. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. So that's funny. so I and so I'm the whole time I was like, okay, well maybe I should come up with a cold calf for black girls. Yeah. You know? like, but without that dry ice. With the dry ice. You had dry, to do it oh. And you had to do it for what's like so even like an hour or four hours after the after the treatment is over, but you still have to rotate it every twenty minutes. And see, so this is a whole process. It's a whole, whole it was process. A whole process. Let's not have no hair because that's too much. Yeah, I said okay, and and it was a struggle because <laughs> I was right in the middle of my parents' retirement, and so I was able to keep my hair. And so I I'd cut my hair because my hair was like yeah you medium had length hair. yeah. And I cut it right before Chris, right before the first treatment. So mm-hmm. I cut it into a bob. Right. And I had about four. I had about about six. About six weeks. Mm-hmm. And my parents were having this yeah series of right, right. retirement events. parties yeah. and events right. and everything. And I was in the middle of chemo, and yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy it as I would want to. Yeah. 
the week after that was when I was when it's I like I'm done. Hair. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, cold cap. I thought that there's somebody cap. that I know that got the cold cap because she just was not having the hair come out. She was like, no, and it thins your hair out. Yeah, it did. And the one girl that uh, did the show, she was like, you know, I'd lost about 60% of my hair. And I'm like, what's the point, man? What's the point? Yeah. But like I said, I'm not hair banged about no, my hair. My hair your is, hair and no edges, girl. No, no, no. That, <laughs> no that, that's not worth it. It's like you're going to have all this hair back here. Right. You, ain't got no, you ain't got no edges. So nothing's connecting. Mm-hmm. No, we're not doing that. It was not working. No. It was not working. But I really, really, really want you to know with all my heart, that I appreciate you being here so much because I know I can hear it that you still have more to tell. But thank you so much, Rashawn, for taking out the time, sitting with us, and like I say, letting your heart do the talking because that's where all this is now. It's in your heart, and you will speak from your heart, and you're not finished speaking. I know that for sure. So I just want to wish you all the best on this journey. And my hand is up because I'm, I'm really ready to be on the journey with you. So thank you again for coming and much appreciated. Well, thank you so much for having me, allowing me to tell Get just a portion. Yes, exactly. Just a portion mm-hmm. of my story. I truly appreciate the invitation. I'm honored. I'm mm. humbled. I'm honored. And I'm thank you for being willing to walk with me through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to follow and rate this show wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with executive producer Matthew Jones, producers Stephen Selnick and editors and mixers Rob Johnson and Stefano Montelli. See you on the next one.